0: You're listening to Mornings with Eric and Bridget here on Moody Radio 89.3.
1: Well, as we look at the calendar, it's 2024, another political year. And while it is important to engage at some level on the civil discourse, how do we do so without... Losing our souls or losing ourselves in all the divisiveness. This is a hard question. And I'm so glad that an experienced political commentator and believer in Christ who's been in this world for more than two decades, Denise Gitsum, is with us. She's written a book called Politics for People Who Hate Politics, How to Engage Without Losing Your Friends or Selling Your Soul. Denise, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me on this morning. It's such an honor.
0: Yeah, I, I think part of the problem here, as I've been trying to think through this conversation, is that we've lost really what the definition or what our politicians are there for. We look at it more like a, a sport <laughs> anymore. It's, it's more of a winners and losers. And, you know, am I getting the ball past the 50-yard line or not, as opposed to uh, a service community? I, I think we've lost connection of what actually a politician is there for.
2: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, and it's really disconcerting, and it it contributes to this notion that, you know, Washington is sort of a swamp as opposed to a place where really well-meaning people go and often move their way. I mean, I can speak from 20-plus years of experience in politics, both in and out of Washington, that so many of the folks that are there are God-fearing people who truly intend to go and make a difference, and they go for all the righteous honorable reasons, but often when they get there, they get sucked into partisan agendas and forget about kingdom principles. And so instead of clinging to God's truth, they often get sucked into this us versus them mentality. And when, you're, when your identity is lost, when you start thinking of yourself as a Republican or Democrat or an independent, instead of a person on mission, an ambassador of heaven, an ambassador for Christ who has a witness to share, and that's the overriding purpose for you being there— then you start acting just like everyone around you. And politics as usual, as you've seen, is not has nothing to do with the way kingdom folks should be acting in any sphere of influence.
1: But of course, that's just downstream from what we're seeing, I think, in culture and society at large. But is it more of a perception or is it a reality that times are more divisive?
2: You know, I think things have been divisive throughout history. I mean, if you look, at we had a civil war in this country. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, as long as we're not taking up arms against each other, people are the same, you know, in the same way that God's yesterday, the same today, you know, and forever today, yesterday, today and forever. Human nature is pretty much the same throughout history. You know, we've seen incredibly bloody and horrific times through eras of human history. And at least right now, we're not taking up arms quite, you know, as often as we would mm-hmm. probably would have seen in another era. But I, I think Satan is just so good. You know, he is so good at causing division. He loves to divide God's kingdom. He loves to divide God's people. And part of that is because, you know, there's 179 verses in throughout Scripture that talk about how important unity is to the heart of God. And so Satan hates everything that God loves. And his favorite thing is to come and steal, kill, and destroy. And nothing can separate you from God quicker than hating somebody that you're supposed to be you're supposed to be loving and that you're actually commanded to love and that's whether that's your enemy or your neighbor or your friend or your family member that you disagree with in politics division is is really Satan's way of undermining our effectiveness in any arena including in politics
0: okay but th- this is where i struggle because you've got cultural debates and political conversations. And so if we're having a political conversation about tax rates and whose tax rates are the best, that's one thing. But if you have a male choir singing, we're coming after your kids, or you have a, uh, a, a if you have a, a governor of a state up north that says, it's okay to do surgeries on kids that can completely change who they are for the rest of their life, that's a problem that I think we have to have more than just a conversation about, I think.
2: Absolutely. And this is something I think when we talk about, this is something that I think culture has sort of shifted even Christian thinking on, which is that in order to engage in these very, very difficult topics and very challenging and, and things that we as Christians feel very strongly about, protecting our families, protecting our children, protecting our communities from untruth and what we see as evil. It truly is evil. Um, We have to go after that evil with all the love of God, because not only is that more effective in influencing people in the way that they think when we come and engage in very difficult conversations with love and with leading with honor and respect, regardless of what the other side acts like, our job is always to show up in the character of Christ. And this is where I see Christians go off. And I I speak as somebody who's made all the mistakes that are in my book. I mean, this is not even a fraction of the mistakes that I've made throughout my career in politics are listed in this book. And what God taught me about changing the way that I engage in politics. It's very easy to speak the truth, but it's very easy to do so without love. There's no such thing as love separate from the truth. So if we were lying and we weren't speaking into these topics that are so hot for so many of us, then then we wouldn't actually be being good stewards of our voice and the truth. But when we do so without love, we're actually speaking outside of the character that God calls us to. So my rule of thumb in engaging in those kinds of hot topics is the harder the truth is that we have to speak into, the greater the love we have to show up in. And that requires incredible prayer that requires God really taking control of our tongues, our obedience to God, our submission to God, and asking Him, Lord, I can't do this in my flesh because everything in me wants to fight the way the world's fighting. But God, I want to show up and I want to change hearts and shift perspectives and change atmospheres. So Lord, help empower me through the Holy Spirit, empower me to show up in a manner that is befitting of you, that represents you in full truth and full love.
1: Is that part of the spiritual guardrails that you talk about in your book that we've really got to set up uh, in order to do this effectively?
2: It is. There are, you know, a number of spiritual guardrails that I talk about, you know, guardrails, if you think about what they're useful for in the natural, they're to keep us from going off course, right, when we're driving, if there's a cliff. And there's a guardrail there that keeps us from falling over it. And there are lots of things that I recommend in the book um, to really establish those guardrails. One of them is establishing your motives before you engage in a divisive conversation. You know, you can't really help what comes at you all day, but you can help how you respond. And so if you establish the outset of a conversation with, with a neighbor or some, maybe someone that you love deeply but deep, totally disagree with on, that your goal of this out, the outcome what you're aiming for in this conversation is to speak the truth in love not necessarily to change their mind because only the holy spirit can do that so releasing yourself of responsibility that's really god's but really standing up representing god but also preserving that relationship that relational equity that's going to enable you to continue to have access and influence in a person's life then you engage in a conversation in a very different way and that establishes a spiritual guardrail that says my goal is to love you well And to speak the truth, but we must preserve this relationship first and foremost. That's one of them. Another one I would put up is that we should really engage with humility when we talk to people, recognizing that everyone's background and life experiences are different and that we know the truth, we know the word of God, but our perspective on the truth could be very different from someone who has a different upbringing. And so engaging with humility and asking questions when people are dug in and so upset about issues, really taking a second to step back and say, Lord, is there something in what they're saying that I don't even understand and that is part of your truth, the full panoply of your truth that I only know a fraction of that I can grow from and learn and really help to understand what that person's perspective is, even if we end up still disagreeing with Mm -hmm. And um, I would just say this. This is really important. When we go in, our goal shouldn't be unity at the cost of truth. Um, Mm -hmm. Unity does not mean conformity. In fact, if you're conforming, you're actually not showing up in truth. If you're just getting along, you know, saying things to get along with folks, you're not stewarding God's truth well. And so really recognizing that. It's okay to have differences. In fact, it's expected. We are never going to be on the same side of the world as the world because we're believers. We have a different standard and different sort of a standard operating procedures, right? We have a, a biblical truth that we hold on to. And so never giving in on the truth, not not even for the sake of the relationship. At the end of the day, that'll be their decision, but recognizing that it's okay to disagree But we still must do our very best to preserve that relationship, even in our disagreement, is something that we all have to get comfortable with, especially as we go into this election season. All
0: right. You've already admitted that you've Failed at each one of these. So that's good because I think we all oh have. God. So we're we're on the same page here. So, OK, let me just take you to the scene. You're sitting there in your back porch. You've invited some friends over for s'mores around the campfire. And next thing you're fencing with your s'more maker because oh no. something political has happened. Right. So you're something, you know, it doesn't take but a second. And you're like, how did I get into this conversation? get me out of that conversation i guess how do we how do we redeem the the accident i just stepped into
2: yes i mean listen this is something that will come at you regardless of whether you're looking for a fight or not right. and watch out for those pointed ends on those swords <laughs> you know those, those can be deadly right. <laughs> Uh, so I I'm a, I'm a commentator on I'm a political commentator on TV I'm a, I'm a Republican strategist and I go in for a reason and it's usually the win and I think everybody regardless of whether you're on TV or you're just in your backyard having s'mores you're you're not going into a conversation feeling like you want to concede right nobody does and so there's that sense of pride that automatically comes into our our sense of saying we've got to we've got to we've got to speak truth but also I really want to be right I don't know about y'all but I like being right I don't I don't like being wrong. And so uh, not only am I a commentator involved in politics, but I'm also a lawyer, so I like to win. It's not just about like kind of passing off a soft little remark, I wanna go for the kill. That's just my nature. And I think many of us get entrenched like that when we're in a conversation that's that's hot. And so sort of stepping away from that is it requires um, really asking the Lord as you start to hear things that seem like it's gonna go down the path of an argument or disagreement, the first thing I do is say, Lord, I really need you to take over my mouth. And the words that I'm saying, the things that I'm thinking about this person are starting to go in a direction that are not aligned with the calling that you've put on my life to love this person. I'm starting to make dishonorable assumptions about them instead of honoring ones. I'm starting to feel disrespect towards them. I'm starting to hate them to be honest. Like I I hate what they're saying. And this is just me speaking because I'm very petty when I get in a political conversation. (laughs) It's just, I'm being very honest. That's why I wrote a book about my mistakes, but saying, Lord, I need you to help me see them through your eyes. I don't right now. And can you help to give me words that are truthful, but also speaking of their identity? Because, again, when we release ourselves from the need to fix this, this is something that only the Holy Spirit can fix in our lives. We are not the Holy Spirit in other people's lives. We cannot give them conviction or clarity about the truth. So when we leave ourselves of that burden that's really God's and we shift it back on the God's, we can show up as love and as truth. And show up in a way that really seeks what they, they need the most, which is not a correct answer, but a recognition that God loves them, he's for them, and that he is truth. Mm-hmm. That is when we shift out of needing to win that argument, which is the default that I always go to in my flesh, and step into the spirit that God called us to.
1: Yeah, I guess, is it all about, or is it helpful to have a greater picture or greater perspective than maybe, like you said, winning this debate or even winning the argument? Because the arguments and and the different topics that are coming up are really important. Many of them are crucial for our future. But are you encouraging us to see even a, a greater picture in these discussions?
2: There's always a greater picture when God's involved, right? There's the issue that we see in the natural, and then there's the issue that's the spiritual. Remember, Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, it says, we did not war against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities. This is a spiritual battle that we're dealing with, and it's manifesting in the natural, in the political realm. And so when we recognize that it's not the person that's coming against us, but it's Satan or a spiritual element that's coming against our spirit of truth because of who we are in Christ, there's automatically going to be opposition. And when we can separate the person from the spirit behind it, we start seeing this as a spiritual battle, and that requires different tools than what we see people using in the world. It requires a supernatural set of thinking processes, a supernatural set of principles, and it requires supernatural power to overcome. And so we've got to get into. I think the most important thing that that we have to cling to is what is our identity? Who are we going in this conversation? Are we coming in as Republicans or Democrats or whatever party you you know you believe in or you sign up as or whatever the R D is next to your name? Are we showing up first and foremost as followers of Christ? Because if we're showing up and our identity is solid in Jesus. And we don't need other people to validate what it is that we believe. We don't need them to agree with us or say nice things about us. We need to show up as a warrior for God in the character of Christ. And that's probably what grieves my heart the most about my past actions is I've shown up doing all the things for God, speaking the truth as far as I know it. And then I've seen myself lose out on the thing that he cares about the most, which isn't just speaking about truth but it's doing so in a character that reflects who he is. Mm -hmm. And I would just say one more thing. You know, Jesus harshest words were never reserved for people who made mistakes. They were always reserved for people, the Pharisees who spoke truth, but did so without love. And so as we engage in the political realm, let's make sure we're not like the Pharisees where we're speaking up for God and fighting for these things in, in often earnest ways. And, Make sure that we're showing up with the humility and the love and the grace and the conviction, fully engaged in the political process because our future and our children depend on it, but also fully in the character that God wants us to.
0: Hmm. I guess as we talk to our friends, this could be the most important political decision they make. This election season could be the most important election of their lifetime. But it's not the most important decision they will ever make, and that's the decision about who is Christ. And I think that's where we have to a good starting point for us as we have these conversations. Thank you so much for your time. This has really been a delightful conversation I kind of didn't want to have. So I I appreciate you uh, dealing with these topics for us.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me on. You know, none of us want to have these conversations, but God empowers us and gives us conviction and hope. And I do think that, that when we work together as believers, we really can, we're blessed to live in a country where we, we can change outcomes. So I'm grateful to all you listeners for for tuning in and taking these considerations seriously.
1: Yeah, you can find out more in Denise Gitsum's book, which is really all about how we can survive this political year well. It's called Politics for People Who Hate Politics. We have a link to it and her website at ericandbridget.org.